broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and a Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, happy Friday, Jacksonville, Florida, and beyond from uh, all over the globe. Roll call. Where are you listening? Here on a Friday and checking us out on the... YouTube, Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690, on Facebook, and Twitter, and Twitch. All right, your car on ESPN 690 as you're heading home for the weekend. A beautiful day in Jacksonville, a hot weekend ahead. Uh, but hopefully you're having a heck of a day and uh, going to celebrate mom on Sunday. So good luck with that. Take care of mom. Uh, for sure. Brent Martin, Casey Kurtz here on a Friday. Brian Middleton will join us a little bit later on. Scott Schroeder from the UNF golf team headed to the regionals. They have a chance to make some national noise. It's one of the best uh, golf programs in the country right here at the University of North Florida. So we talk to Coach Schroeder in a bit. And we'll also check in with the Ponte Vedra lacrosse team. One last night on their way to a state championship game tomorrow against St. Thomas Aquinas, the 2019 state champs, trying to do it again. So we'll visit with Ponte Vedra lacrosse. It's a fantastic time for local sports. I, I say this a lot. If you like local sports, you do what we do from here on the radio to uh, CBS 47 and Fox 30. A few weeks ago, we had like Ronald Acuna in town and the shrimp and the Icemen were getting going in the playoffs. Well, and it was draft time, you know, all that stuff. Then last week we had the draft. Well, now we've got a bunch of championships, a championship season from beach volleyball and Bishop Kenny's in the mix to Fleming Island and Middleburg flag football uh, on the girls' side and baseball and softball district championships heading into the state tournament now in a new way, too, uh, with at-large bids and lacrosse, boys and girls. Uh, the girls will take place today, Episcopal and Bartram Trail girls will play in the state Final Four. Unfortunately, Bowles lost in the state Final Four yesterday, but Ponte Vedra won. So I'm probably missing some things like track and field and tennis. Uh, there's just a little bit of everything going on right now. So it's a fun time, and uh, we'll capture, we capture more of that on the TV side, to be honest, on CBS 47 and Fox 30. It's more visual. And on social media, where I've been uh, tweeting a bunch of uh, highlights and championships along the way. So uh, we will continue to celebrate the kids and and uh, give a hat tip to what they're accomplishing in the spring seasons as we head into uh, the summer. Meanwhile, here on the show, we talk football. Speaking of, you know, I couldn't help but think, like, all the work the kids put in and all the kids in the area, and you, you're playing sports, and by the way, it's not just the sports thing, but the sports we live in, right? I mean, it might be dance, it might be singing, it might be schoolwork, it might be whatever it is. But you see that video floating around of Devin Lloyd? Yes. I mean, to me, that, that speaks volumes. Like, if you're a kid... Go find that video of Devin Lloyd, all right? The guy just gets drafted last week, and he's already found a place in Jacksonville. Now, a lot of the guys like Josh Allen and I think DeWan Smoot and others, they go to this uh, Rise and Grind uh, a gym and work with some folks out there. Uh, a little free nod to those guys. I don't know them very well, but I know they've, they've gone out to that place. And so anyway, this video is of Devin Lloyd working with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy just got drafted like a couple of days ago. He'd be like, hey, man, life is good. Keep the shades on, right? See where I'm going to buy my house, buy the next car, get something from mom and dad, find a place to get settled. Go look at that video of Devin Lloyd. If you want to, like, this is what I never think athletes get, athletes at the highest of levels get credit for. They work their ass off. I mean, here he is already getting acclimated to the heat. I mean, yesterday was like a 90-degree day if that video is from yesterday. Yeah. And it's just an insane 
workout video for a guy who just got drafted, which means he's already been in shape and staying in shape, and uh, this wasn't his first workout in like a month, you know. Uh, but I always said about like LeBron and other players, name your favorite NBA player, right? Name your favorite Major League Baseball player. These guys have so much God-gifted talent. They are the 1% athlete, but they work in a 1% way as well. Like, we think we work hard <laughs> at stuff. We think we're competitive. These guys have that to a different degree. And, uh, I mean, a lot of the kids end up having it. Some people are born that way. Some people learn to, to enjoy the process that way. And I've seen Lloyd talk about that, actually. Lloyd talks about the process, like he embraces the process of it. It's not all about Sundays. He enjoys the workouts, right, the gym, the eating right, the everything else. But that's a fantastic video of that kid uh, getting after it uh, before he even hits the practice field here in Jacksonville. It was pretty impressive. There's only one thing about the video that just doesn't sit right with me. Is it the shorts? We can't get the man some gym shorts. I He's know. out there in khakis, for I, God's sake. Get the man some Jag shorts. <laughs> I, may, I I was thinking the same thing, but I was like, he was moving so fast, and I didn't, like, dissect the video that I was kind of wondering, like, all right, is that just, like, a new-look gym short? Or did he just go to, like, the yacht club and then go to a workout? Yeah. Because I, they looked yeah. like he'd be, like, I went fishing. True. It took his shirt off and said, all right, let's go get a workout in. Yeah, I was like, what are we doing here? Like, I, I, I watched the video three times and didn't even look at him at any point, just, like, trying to figure out if they were khakis, if they were, like, cargos, what would the situation was with the shorts. But uh, we got to get that fixed. I have Jag shorts. Somebody can get this man Jag shorts. I know it. Uh, the video it, was impressed, like, but, from but everything. Is, isn't it crazy, like, a 12-second clip, though, like, that can be impressive? I, I just think it's a reminder. Like, we see these guys on the practice field. They're not working like that. If you see, I think it's, um, I don't know what edition of The Hunt on Jaguars.com it is. Uh, maybe it's uh, episode one or two. I, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But they actually go with Josh Allen to that gym. Uh, and I think Dewan Smoot's in it. And you can see them. I mean, and what it does, like when, when, when supreme athletes are in the gym working out, like to me it just reminds me of, dang, these guys are just specimens. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, glistening with sweat and like enjoying it, you know, and then the other side of it is like that was like the Josh Allen stuff was at like a six in the morning shoot for the Jaguars dot com folks. Mm. So, I mean, they're up at it man. they're beating you while you're sleeping. They're getting better than you. Like that's that's kind of what it's all about. Like, I love that stuff. Yeah. I love that about sports. I mean, I kind of love that about life. And I think it's. If you want to do it now, it's easy to outwork people. I always say that. Like, if you want to do it. But it's hard to want to do it each and every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it shows he's not content with being the 27th pick in the draft or whatever. He's yeah. back at it already. But see, and, and, and by the way, I, I don't. I, I think this is going to probably be a little over-dramatization of saying, hey, Devin Lloyd's the only guy that got drafted uh, last week and is working out hard. Sure. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but I do think it kind of shows, like, it just shows you what these guys do, what these guys go through, how they get there. Like, this is an everyday thing. It's not just when the cameras are on. It's not just when there's rookie minicamp. It's not just when there's this or that. And by the way, there are some players that get drafted that wouldn't be doing that yesterday. Sure. There are. I mean, because some of them don't need to because they're just gifted, and others don't want to because that's their makeup. And you don't know that as an NFL team until you get them in the locker room and realize, hey, they don't really want to be here all the time. Right. Right? 
Well, that shows me right away. Like, I'm kind of smiling if I'm I'm the defensive coaches and I'm Doug Peterson, I'm Trent Bulky. Like, that's the guy we thought we got. We 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 thought we got that guy that's gonna it looks like he just went fishing and then went right to a workout and didn't even change his shorts. All he did was take his shirt off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Didn't even change the shorts. That's how bad he wanted to work. Um so and I mean we already kind of have this, like, there's, like, this built-in love affair with Devin Lloyd. True. Agreed. Like, why? Why do we like this kid so much? He said Duval. Pretty well. I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah. I mean, no, from the minute from the minute you knew he was a Jag, uh, I think he's done everything right. And he's a guy that obviously is extremely talented. The Jags love him to go get him. He loved that opportunity. He took the Duval and ran with it and everything he said in the press conference. Just a likable guy. So I feel like immediately it was like, oh, he's one of our own. Just, he's one of us. And that's kind of, that's my take on it. He just, he's one of us. Yeah, like I asked this, uh, what do we do? We asked this maybe on Monday. And I said, like, what jersey would you buy? Yep. Right? And a lot of people said Lloyd. And, I mean, not Trayvon Walker. Uh, but they said Lloyd. And... I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, I can see why. And by the way, I raved about him all weekend too. Like, he, he's a—you he, can tell he's a special kid. Like, um, what? Well, the way I say it is, you can feel him. Like, people, there are some people you can feel. You can feel their their energy, right? Uh, you can feel their infectious smile or personality. But then you can just feel like this presence, like of leadership, like maturity, uh, professionalism, that. Again, at 22 years old, 23 years old, that's not like a natural thing that young. So I think that's why we like him, too. I think you're right about the Duval. I think he had swag that night, you know, uh, yeah. jumping back in. I still think the representation of the Jags being aggressive and going to get somebody, like they would have picked Casey Kurtz, but they, I, and, and they would have liked you, Casey, uh-huh. even though they have no idea if you can play football, just because they got aggressive and went back in. Right. Like the idea of the move, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, there's a lot of value in this kid. Like, if you read up on him, you could make the case he's maybe the best linebacker in the draft. That's another reason. Some people think it was a steal in the first round. That's another reason. The Duval, the swag, uh, the presence of him. And by the way, I do think by now, at least a lot of diehard folks that follow the Jags and follow the draft, and I've tried to turn other people onto that story at Utah where he lost two teammates. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't the only one. It's what the whole team did. And the circumstances were unbelievable. And at the same time, he went back to go win a Pac-12 championship. And he wanted to do it, and he said he was going to do it, and he got it done. And they beat Oregon a couple of times to do Twice, it. Twice, yeah. And they beat USC, like at USC. Yeah. And, I mean, and he was that guy for that program in, in almost like a time of need. And is there a relationship, not between the losing of players, but to to be committed, the loyalty to a... a a team like Utah, a program like Utah, to get them to the next level. Well, I guess in a weird way, that's what he's going to try to do here in Jacksonville, too, with the help of others, is try to get Jacksonville to a new level, a level really they haven't lived in consistently. And uh, we'll see if he's a part of it. So I find it pretty interesting, though, that there is this uh, like kind of love for, for Devin Lloyd just naturally here in Jacksonville. Uh, I hope that doesn't add a, another level of pressure. I don't know if that means anything, but... Um, I think it will be cool to see it. See, a little big man on, on our social media channel said, uh, Lloyd has a Trevor Lawrence feel to him. Lloyd has a lot of Trevor Lawrence in him, a born leader. I agree. I've used the same analogy. I think when you can feel Trevor's maturity, 
There's this element about Trevor Lawrence that I said, and I I don't like to throw this around because it probably sounds kind of corny, but I'll never forget, probably for as long as I'm in this business and maybe beyond, when Trevor Lawrence arrived at Jags headquarters the day after he got drafted, and he's in, like, this powder blue suit, Mm -hmm. and his wife, who he just married two weeks earlier, gets out of the Cadillac, and there's school kids to greet him, and there's cameras everywhere, like five times more than usual because it's Trevor Lawrence. And it felt like the royal family had arrived at, at Jags headquarters. Because, let's be honest, how many times does a draft pick arrive with his wife? Not very often. It's actually happened, like, I don't well, Josh. think Josh Allen was married at the time. He might have been married at the time, too. He had a, a little one, and then he got married, or maybe yeah. he was already married. I can't remember. So that was actually another example. Pretty mm-hmm. interesting, too, right? And we like Josh, and we feel that maturity about Josh. But there was even something different about Trevor. There, maybe it's the long hair. Maybe it was the powder blue suits. Maybe it was the whatever. Right. But it felt like royalty had arrived, and... I don't think, like, every time I see Trevor, I think royalty now, but that moment I did. Like, it just felt like that kind of moment. Uh, this Lloyd moment was a little bit different, but but the same sense of, again, presence and maturity and all that stuff. So I think we really like this guy. I think there's reason to like him, and I uh, kind of can't wait to watch him play football. Uh, Jaguars.com, uh, uh, boy, a lot of shout-outs to you guys. You're welcome, Patrick Kevin, uh, Dave DeCandice and company. There you go. Um, the... I saw, I think they had uh, the linebackers coach on, Shuey. Maybe this week sometime. I can't. I caught it late, later or so, not live. So I don't know when it was on. But he kind of revealed a little something about the use of Trayvon Walker. And by the way, it's Trayvon Walker. You All right, what? Jacksonville? What happened? It's Trayvon. No, I've heard so many people say Trayvon. Well, I did too, but now I'm like I said it before the draft. I didn't know before. Well, I didn't either. I was actually say if you listen to us before the draft, I was like, "Is it Trevon Trevon?" So yeah. I would I would mix it up. So I knew I was right at least half the time. I tried to do that a little bit, but right? I actually checked. Like I kept hearing the Jags say Trevon, like Peterson, and then I heard the Commish say it, yep. and I also heard Bulky say it. I'm like, "All right, I think it's Trevon." All right, but. I checked with the Jags because we did this with Tyson Aluolo. There are people in town that still call Tyson Aluolo Alu Alu. Okay. And I was like, he was here for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's call this guy the right name. It's Trayvon. Trayvon. And then we got Delphonic hooked us up with, I think I may have been saying Alua Khan. It's Alua Kin. Oh, I was definitely saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was definitely saying it the wrong way. So um, just That's why I tweeted. I was, it's good content. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, I'm not holding anybody to the fire here. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just saying, let's all get on the same page. I like that. You're and, trying to bring everybody together. Yeah, bring the whole media together, especially. Now, the fans can call them whatever they want, but the media who is saying the name on TV and radio and everywhere else, let's call them the right name. It's Trayvon Walker, and it's obviously Alua Kin. Yes. So we're going to work hard at that. We are. Just um, give us a grace period for Alulakin, please. Back to Alulakin kind of rolls off the tongue, man. It's kind of easy. It looks so much harder than it is. That is true. I'll give you that. We got to double check if we can call him Foy instead of everything. That is a good call, right? too. We don't know him like that. We don't. Yeah. So um, a lot of name things to I work know. through. Well, listen, the Jags have done that to us a little bit. I mean, they That's did true. that in free agency. And uh, so back to Trayvon Walker, though. Shuey, the, the linebacker coach, kind of said, he said what we wanted to hear. We've been asking. You're going to put this guy in one position, right, and let him work, and then you can do stuff from there? Well, he did say. He's going to put him, they're going to put him on the edge. You're going to put outside linebacker. Yep. Start him there until he gets comfortable. Until yeah, he gets comfortable, and then there's a big plan. 
right? You got the sense, if you yeah. listen to this thing, there was like a big plan ahead, like, okay, that's where we want to start them. But once we unfold this thing, it was like Mike Caldwell's got a lot of plans. And it shows you once again that this defense, this fit for Trayvon Walker could really be a good thing. And how the Jags use him, how he comes along in it. Do they make the timing of that correct? I will say this. If they use Trayvon Walker at that outside linebacker position, that also might do the same for Lloyd where it limits him a little bit because some people have envisioned Lloyd going to that outside linebacker spot as well. Yeah. Right? So I have. if you're going to kind of keep it simple in the early going for Trayvon Walker, maybe that's where they're going to keep it simple as well for Devin Lloyd in the early going. I don't know when that transition takes place for both of them to use their versatility, but it sounds like they're going to do a little kiss mess method here of keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, which is probably the right thing to do right away, right? I mean, it's easier to learn one position in like eight, and then as you go on, yeah, get more complex because we think the defense could be complex in terms of who's coming from where and if you're standing, you know, the situation. So I do like the idea of let's, to your point, let's keep it simple. Let's get you understanding what we're doing. And maybe you're just all world great off the edge and we don't even worry about moving you around because you're getting back there 30, 40, 50, 60% of the time. You know what I'm saying? So a lot more to figure out, but I like the idea of now that we know, we can start to envision it, even though we thought we knew earlier this week. Now we really know, and we can envision it and kind of uh, think what we're going to see in training camp and then early in the season. Is this the sign of a smarter regime? Is this already better coaching? Yeah. Is this learning from the past? Because, again, a lot of these guys weren't in the building in the past. Is this Shad Khan saying, hey, we use these guys wrong? Or is this somebody else in the building saying, we use these guys wrong? Don't throw so much at them, and we're going we to learn from our mistakes here. Or is this just better coaching that already knows that and hasn't had to look back at the Miles Jackson, Taven Bryans, the everybody else? Like, I feel like we should give a nod to the coaching to identify already the, the KISS method of keeping it simple. But also, knowing that there's growth to get to where you want to go, where these guys can really mix it up down the road. Yeah, I think it's just better coaching. And I think, it, I think this is one of the things that I can see where it's like, this is where it helps having multiple former players in your coaching staff. Because they all understand, you teach me to do one thing, I'm going to do it better than trying to teach me four things at the same time. I'm going to get confused and stuff like that. So... When you can look at it from a player's perspective, like let's just focus on doing this in training camp and mini camp and in the offseason, really hone that guy in on what he's doing, then he'll be better at it. So I think it's better coaching and coaches that understand what these players need to do versus coaches that never played. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. I think, uh, I think that's it. I think we're already seeing better coaching. It's not really hard to get much. Uh, you know, I, I, I catch myself here. I don't think it was a well-coached football team last year. The problem with saying that is you really degrade a lot of the guys that put in a lot of work that were trying to do stuff and couldn't really get what they wanted to done because of Urban. I'm not saying they were all bad coaches on the staff last year, but the composite, the way it turned out, it was bad. It was a lot of bad coaching. I think it was a lot of bad offense. I blamed sometimes. I blamed Urban sometimes. I blamed... uh, Heck, I, I got all the way down to blaming Bernie Parmalee just because of what Urban was saying. That is true. You know, um, if we're supposed to at the time take him at his word. And so 
I think there's a lot of blame to go around. It has started with Irvin. I just think it's a better fit already. Like, Doug Peterson's already doing things that you can already say, okay, this way it's supposed to be done. This is a smart way. We have learned from bad mistakes, I think, in Jacksonville. We have seen it not work. We are savvy enough to know that. We might not be able to call defenses and call plays on offense, but we are savvy enough to know what has not worked in Jacksonville. You, the fan from the couch, from Section 203, from listening here on the show to watching on TV, like, we know what doesn't work like they only had to ask us last year about the green dot and miles jack get them they had to ask us and they, they could it. have taken a poll sent a survey home and they didn't know he could have just called in the show we knew he was listening i'd have put him on hold though but at least this year they i feel like they know and whether that's just naturally good coaching or that's already a little bit of a historic look at what went wrong in Jacksonville. I don't know that answer. True. But I like what they're doing to start. And then we see how quick the transformation takes place of using guys like Lloyd and, and Walker in this defense, expanding their roles and using their skill sets to make this defense really dynamic. And by the way, folks, that might take two years. Like, it might not take just one season or eight games. I think we got to be a little patient. Uh, to see where this defense evolves uh, going forward under Mike Caldwell and on this Doug Peterson-led football team. But I like what I'm hearing, and I like what I'm seeing from Devin Lloyd and that workout. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. It's Friday. We've got pizza here. We're just going to eat pizza, get fatter, not work out. Gym shorts, your right. shorts. We'll watch them. I'll watch everybody work out, you know what I'm saying? We'll be back on ESPN 690. He has not reached the ceiling. The Seahawks feel like he didn't have a great third year. He would be the first to say that. And he had some moments of immaturity. He wants to grow as a leader. Got frustrated because he was the guy, right? And you're seeing some bracket double coverage. And it was different. Russell Wilson was out. That changes the dynamic. But as far as top receivers, top 10 to 15 guys in the league, he probably has the highest ceiling of anyone because he just hasn't tapped it yet. That is Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy Fowler gets a lot of love on ESPN. A lot of love right here on ESPN 690. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Heading into the weekend. Don't forget about mom on Sunday. I had to be reminded of that today. Already missed Steph's birthday a little bit. Listen, games take priority. Tuesday night, we had a couple games. Steph's birthday are games. Games take, they win the day. Wait, what, what happened? They said, don't forget about mom's. Oh. See, like, you don't have to worry about Amanda so much. Dog you don't mom. Have kids yet. Dog mom. Oh, come on. She plays that You up. really have to do that stuff? Not really. I just wanted to get your reaction because you're anti-dog. I'm not anti-dog. But anti-dog. if you have to, like, celebrate Mother's Day because of your dog, that's ridiculous. Hey, man. It's the way of the road, you know? Like, like again, I'm not a dog owner, okay? You're anti-dog. I'm yeah. not anti-dog. I'm just not a dog owner. But please tell me we don't have, like, is this a thing? Like, do we celebrate, like, mom's days for dogs? Not really. No. I got a feeling it is. She texted me, LMFAO. You know what that means? Yeah, I'm going to call Amanda in a minute and ask her about this. This is a problem. Okay. Let's get Scott Schroeder in first. I don't even know if I want to venture to ask you about this kind of topic. But, I mean, if you have no kids, coach... And you have a dog. Do you have to celebrate Mom's Day with because of the dog? 
I mean, I, I'm, I, you, you've got me all flustered here. Let's listen to where we're going in this conversation already, Brent. I mean, I, I don't even know. Um, I, I think that's almost like another like Hallmark card. Just somebody's trying to make money off something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Another Hallmark card. You got that right. Scott Schroeder, what's happening, man? Congratulations going to the uh, regionals once again. Uh, top 40 team in the country, I think. I don't know if that was the latest. Uh, I want to say it was maybe 38th in the country with the men's golf program for the Ospreys. Hey, you're heading up to New England. Uh, we were talking about this recently. How do you feel about playing up, uh, what's that, the Yale course? Yeah, Yale Golf Course. Um, never been there. Heard, heard some good, interesting stories. I'm not sure. It's going to present a challenge for us. You know, we got a bunch of Florida kids and playing Northeast Golf is a little different. So we're going to fly up on Wednesday, hang out in Long Island, play a little North Northern Golf, and hopefully acclimate pretty quickly. I mean, good news is our, our good players are really good. And when, you know, good players play good in the sport of golf, you're going to be in a good spot. So it's just going to be dependent on Nick and Robbie or are two better players to, to show up and perform for us. Tell us some more about those guys and your team this year, because seriously, you have in Nick Kabrowczyk, uh, one of the best golfers seriously in college golf. Like that's not an uh, understatement that is, or overstatement that is uh, he's legit, like future tour player potential, uh, making all these crazy like uh, Walker cup or whatever the thing is called. No, Arnold Palmer cup, sorry, uh, teams. Uh, he's really, really good. And, in golf, can you get carried by one guy that's really, really good? And, and I don't want to take anything away from the other guys because they're good too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tricky little line. It, you know, golf's a math formula, and if one guy plays good, which Nick, I mean, I think he's ranked about mid-30s this year. He was ranked number two in the country last year, so he's going to be a two-time All-American finishing up the sophomore year. He's ranked about 13 in the world right now um, in amateur golf and He's got six wins through two years. I mean, just just a kid that is going to keep doing special things. Hits it unbelievably well, um, and is just learning other ways to play well. I would uh, he would probably tell you he hasn't played as well this year as last year, um, but is managing his golf ball better, is maturing in different ways, and that's that's part of the process. When you, it's hard to match those expectations. You know, also coming off of the year last year and come back the next year, it's hard to deal with a little bit of challenges where everything was just so easy last year. So he, he's had a really nice year. And, you know, if he goes up and plays well, and then, then we just don't need other guys to play great. We just need him to play solid, which is which is a big deal in golf. You know, you if you have two guys play really poorly, it almost doesn't matter how everybody else plays. But if you have one guy play great, everybody else plays solid, it's going to give us a real good chance of finishing that top five, which is the goal to be able to move on to the desert the following week. Coach, obviously Nick is an incredible talent like we just talked about, but talk to me a little bit about Robbie Higgins-Brent. You should like this guy. He's a little lefty. Lefty. Uh, but he's most played really well. Most importantly, in my opinion, he's from the 941 Bradenton, Florida. Cardinal Mooney, stand up. They walked me off in a baseball game one time, but this isn't about me, Coach. Uh, talk to me about Robbie a little Don't bit. like walk-offs. Robbie, Robbie's a lefty. Actually, former baseball player. Uh, didn't no start. Didn't really get serious about golf until ninth, 10th grade. Um, pretty young for a sophomore. You know, he's one of those late August birthdays and has really matured here in the last six weeks. Um, probably a top 15 talent in the country and is starting to believe that and understand the little things of, of being a good golfer. And the last two events have really shown that. He ended up not where he wants to be. I think he's finished third and second, something like that, because obviously he wants to win. But, like, the reason he was even in contention is he just handle. He's starting to handle his average golf better, which is a huge deal in golf. It's 
you know, can you hit it to 25 feet and that be okay? Can you hit a average tee shot and not beat yourself up? Can you make a mistake and not beat yourself up? And he's really, really grown a lot here in the last six weeks. And, um, you know, the sky is the limit for this kid. Ball speed, low 190s, chips and pitches it like a tour player. It's uh pretty fun to watch. That's pretty cool. Scott Schroeder with us, UNF golf coach. They're headed to Yale uh, for the regionals. Tell her, how does this all work? What what's the what do you have to do up at Yale to get to the next round to put yourself in position uh, maybe to threaten for a national championship in, in men's golf? Yeah, so there's there's either 13 or 14 teams. I actually didn't pay close enough attention to the ball to give you that exact number, but the top five advance. So go play some solid golf. We're the seven seed, so obviously we're not projected to advance. Um, but really the difference from about the seven seed to the somewhere between the four and the five seed is minuscule um, from a strokes per, strokes per round perspective throughout the course of the year. So, I mean, for us, it's, it's going to be uh, about getting off to a, a solid start. We don't have to get off to a great start. Um, I think in the last 10 years, Eight of those ten years, we've been within five shots of either making it or not making it at some point in the final round. Um, So we'll be in the hunt. It's just a matter of, you know, do we perform down the stretch and and, and get across the finish line? You get nervous, or are you like, I can't do anything? Um, No, this is is probably, as a coach, this is the one week that um, you probably don't sleep near as much, especially once you get to Yale. I mean, it's a fun because you're you're grinding out there and you're trying to find any way to help a guy save a shot. But this is because you know making the national championship is the is is the holy grail of what we're trying to accomplish for the players. I mean, it's basically like a qualifying for a tour event. It's run amazingly well. Um, I've made it to five, but I will tell you, every one of the regionals and every college golf will tell you, college golf coach will tell you, it is brutal the stress of that final round. I mean, like last year is a great example. We were 10 shots inside of the number with about eight holes to play and struggled down the finish and missed by a couple. And mm. I mean, I had guys that told me that like they've never, I mean, it took them days to get over that. And that's just, you know, it's part of what it is. It's probably not dissimilar to, you know, just other things in sports that whatever you play, it's, it's the, you know, a little bit of the baseline of what you're trying to accomplish as a college golfer. Yeah, trust me. 15 hours ago, I felt it uh, from outside the fence. Um, Scott Schroeder with us, UNF golf coach. A quick lightning round because I got a lot of questions. Uh, can you guys win a national championship at UNF in golf? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, will, does UNF ever, or does this area ever host a regional? Or have they? We, it's been a long time. We have not recently, and it could change down the road. The issue has always been the players is usually when the regionals were are set up. So, therefore, it's something that we could look into when the next round of bids. Yeah, because it would make some sense, right? Or do they like to oh, put yeah. it in certain spots and maybe not like where the tour is usually? Or No, it has nothing to do with the tour. It was more of the regionals and trying to get golf course access right around the players basically would have been virtually impossible. Yeah, that makes a lot Well, because everybody else is playing during that time, too, not just at the Players' Championship and TPC Sawgrass. Yeah. Uh, with that, with, there's a lot of problems in college sports, and people talk about it a lot. How about your sport? I don't hear a lot of problems. Is it run pretty well? Are you pretty happy with where it's at? Is NIL an issue or other things, issues that, that we just don't know about because people maybe don't talk about it like football and basketball? Uh, and NIL has not become too much of an issue uh, for us very minimal how many kids are getting NIL money. Um, I think the portal isn't too bad yet. Um, you know, we're, we're a sport of integrity, and those lines haven't got crossed too much yet. 
That's pretty good. And and last one, I will never do a Scott Schroeder interview again without asking about Caitlin. Uh, what's up for her summer? And if you guys don't know, if anybody doesn't know, Caitlin Schroeder, Scott's uh, daughter, is... Uh, I've been saying, I don't know how accurate this is, but maybe the best junior girls golfer in the state and one of the best in the country. Accurate enough? Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, there's, I mean, we don't want to disrespect some other girls that are really good, but she's definitely competitive with a lot of a lot of the elites in the country and um, keeps putting up good stuff. I actually get to take her. She's trying to qualify for the Women's Open on Monday up in Georgia right before the team leaves, and then uh, we'll have a full-fledged summer bouncing all over the place. Gets to go back to the girls' junior, gets to play in probably the Wyndham Cup, which is an international uh, a competition with East-West, um, and we'll play some other good stuff. She's getting to compete against the best kids in the country and chase her dreams of trying to become a tour player one day. Yeah, well, we saw her up close uh, last week, and she is a terrific player. Scott Schroeder, good luck uh, to Caitlin coming up, and, and are you caddying, by the way, that day? I am caddying on Monday, right. and she hasn't she hasn't fired me yet. So that's, that's good. That's good. We, that's good. We've, uh, the relationship's still good enough that I haven't been fired yet. Uh, that's good. Maybe she can't yet. Maybe when she turns eighteen. <laughs> well, she she will ask. I, I know I'm not close to getting fired yet because she'll ask me if she, if I can clear my schedule to caddy and stuff. That means it's not that bad yet. <laughs> that's true. Good point. Well, good luck at the regionals with UNF as well. Have a good weekend, man. Thanks for jumping in. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. You bet. That's Scott Schroeder, UNF golf coach, who, by the way, he can play, too. He plays from the left side. Ah. Swing it. Uh, and he uh, he has done a terrific job with that program. By the way, uh, the Ospreys women's program having a terrific year as well. Uh, so a lot of good stuff happening uh, locally on, on campus University in North Florida. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville University as well uh, with lacrosse uh, made yeah. it to the finals. Um, and they'll have selection show, I think, coming up on Sunday if both teams, both men and women, are el- eligible to go. I think uh, definitely the women feel like they have a really good chance. Um, I think the, the men would as well. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on some of those sports. Uh, baseball, softball still wrapping up. UNF softball team will host the A-Sun Championships. And so if you like that, the UNF softball complex, that's coming up in the middle of May. We'll probably do a show or two from out there, actually, as it's going on during the week. Uh, So like I said earlier, to start the show, there's a lot of good stuff happening. Uh, I know we talk football a lot, Jags a lot, NFL a lot. But if you like local sports, it's a hell of a time of year uh, to get out and watch an event. uh, If you have some time with the kids or or, uh, just want to go yourself and catch some action. We'll be right back with more action on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. There are guys that will do whatever it takes to be able to win football. Everybody loves those kind of guys. They're going to hold themselves accountable. They're going to help the organization set the standard for what's expected. And then there are the guys that would like to win as long as they're the reason why their team wins. Baker Mayfield is the latter. And why do I know that? We've seen that because of all of his actions. I don't want that guy anywhere near my team. And here's the thing, Max. We might just say this is the perception of Baker Mayfield, but at some point, perception becomes reality. That's how you get a guy like Robbie Anderson, who's with the Carolina Panthers, and him going out on social media saying, I don't want Baker Mayfield throwing me passes, even though his quarterback options down in Carolina are Sam Donald and Will Greer or whoever the hell. We're talking about Carolina. We were talking while they were talking, so... Yeah, we were. Sorry. Who was it? Oh, Chris Canty. It was Canty. Oh, yeah. Why did I just guess default Canty? You know, it's a good question. But 
you know, good and hearty. The listeners heard it. They said, oh, that's Chris Canty. Guaranteed. It's good and hearty. <laughs> it's good and hearty. <laughs> now, I, I'm not going to say, I am going to question, though, at the end there, he's talking about Will Greer for some reason, who I don't think is in the league anymore, but that's okay, you know. Is Will Greer, who, who, was he with Carolina? He was. He got drafted by Carolina, but I don't think he's there anymore because I feel like they would have ran him out there at some point when Sam Darnold was thrown into the other team. All right, we got a lot of stuff that we get to today. Uh, we're trying to celebrate some local sports as well as we have UNF at that they're going to their regionals and just had Scott Schroeder on. That was fun. Uh, it was educational, by the way, because you don't know how the golf stuff works, but you see it later on in the match play, which is really fun on the golf channel, the college match play stuff. It can, it can get intense. Um, coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll have for a couple minutes, uh, Ponte Vedra will check down in Fort Myers, Naples, uh, Ponte Vedra lacrosse. <laughs> yeah. I just saw your tweet. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Ponte Vedra lacrosse coach. Uh, we'll be on uh, talk about uh, their run for a state championship. Uh, the Iceman start tonight, too. You sent me something. The Cowboys leaked 2022 oh, yeah. draft board. Yeah. Now, Jerry Jones held it up. Oh, is that what that was? Remember, I remember the news <laughs> conference, but that's what people figured out from that? Yes. Yes, that is exactly what happened. He held it up, and somebody with really good eyes or a very good digital editing system broke down to see... Uh, the names on there, but... Uh, so who did the Cowboys take? Nobody on the list. They took uh, the tackle from Tulsa. Oh, that's right. Name. Yeah. But if memory serves, when they picked, they could have had Lewis Seen. I think all these other guys were gone. Okay. but Okay, so here's... I can't assume that everybody's seen this because I hadn't until Casey sent it to me. That's fair. So the list of 14 players with first-round grades, this is how... Caroline, or uh, D- Dallas saw it. Grades. This is how they saw it. Like, yeah, they graded first-round guys. Thibodeau, Evan Neal, Aiden Hutchinson, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley Jr., Trayvon Walker, Kyle Hamilton, Iki Aquanu, Drake London, Jordan Davis, Charles Cross, and their offensive tackle, Lewis Seen, and Jamison Williams. I will say this was in order. So do we, we know that's the order they did yes. it? It was like a numbered thing? Yes. Okay. We know Thibodeau was at the top and Jamison Williams at the bottom, yes. Well, and by the way, the only one that's probably a little questionable, and I think everybody did have a grade like this on him, would be seen, Lewis seen, but I thought he was a little bit more of a late first round. He started to sneak in, at least there were a lot of reports that he could sneak in the first round. Right. Where did he end up going? What number overall did seen go? Do you know? Uh, at the end, I'm pretty sure. It was pretty close to the end? Yeah. Maybe like a Kansas City or something like that? No, it was, it was, Minnes- like- it was Minnesota. It was Minnesota, sure. okay. Um, so anyway, this is not that far-fetched, but they could have had seen? Yes, they definitely could have. So here's what I don't understand like I, I understand Jerry Jones wasn't really trying to like do this but they picked a guy in the middle back middle of the first round that they didn't have a first round grade on like that's what it is his name's not on the list they picked him in the first round like he, it's a premier position in left tackle I understand that but so the Cowboys reached for position yes according to the board that they had uh, do you believe that board is real or do you think they were just messing around showcasing that. I believe it is real because it it would be weird for it not to be. Like, yeah. and you planted a fake board and Jerry, like, I, it just seems too weird. So <laughs> we were like, Dad, we'll give you this one just because in case you do something stupid. That could be. Now, that could be, I guess. But, no, I think it's real and it's interesting. Lewisine was the uh, last pick of the first round, by the way, for the Minnesota. So, and they picked Tyler Smith at 24. So that was the only guy that they had a first round grade on that they could have drafted at their draft slot. I understand you got to draft a safety there, but Kyle Hamilton had already gone. So it, I, 
it's reasonable to draft a safety at 24. What other what other offensive linemen went outside of Neil Aquanu and Cross in the first round? Um, Kenyon Green. Oh, that's right. He went pretty high. 15th to Houston. Yeah. Uh, you said those ones. Uh, Trevor Penning to the Saints. He's also a tackle. Tyler Smith. Linderbaum went directly after them. Um, okay. And then Cole Strange. Oh, yeah. To New England. So... I mean, if you want to tackle, you were reaching a little bit, right? Because yes. Linderbaum, people said, well, first of all, I should he's a center. So if you wanted offensive lineman, you could say you were reaching a little bit to get the value because you thought it probably dropped off pretty heavy. And so that does happen. But it's a dangerous thing in the first round. You do that in like the third round because you, you're going to run out of guys like, eh, that might make some sense. You do that in the first round. That's a risky territory now. And it, the strange pick was a strange pick according to many, for, yeah. for New England. Some people liked him, but not many people liked him there. And so you say Linderbaum could have slipped to the second round, although I would still say if you got Linderbaum at 24, 25, wherever they got him, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. And then these other guys, to be honest with you, I don't know too much about, and I knew the Jags weren't that interested, and I didn't pay much attention to. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, maybe they're right. I will say the next tackle didn't go till 57. That's what I mean. See, they jumped, They had to jump at those guys if they needed tackle. And that's where need really took over for best player available. But is it smart to jump some 20, 25 spots where the next guy might be? Or, or let's just say even if you have him as a mid-second rounder to get a guy in the first round, is that smart? Is it too much of a reach? Does it matter that much? Like, do we really think a guy that was maybe going to go 40th overall, getting picked 22nd overall, is that much of a reach? I mean, in the second round, you get yourself a really good player. Yeah. A guy that could become an old pro. We see it all the time. So, like, we have this infatuation with where guys go in the draft. And, like, because they are a top 10 pick, because they're a top 20 pick, because they are a second round pick or a third round pick or a fourth round pick, like, they have to have this skill set and this production. And maybe the Cowboys aren't wrong here. They've been very good at drafting offensive linemen, by the way, over the years. Yeah, just not keeping them. But what's interesting is if you look at the board and you believe it, Jermaine Johnson, Devin Lloyd, and a guy like Chris Olave were all not first-rounders, according to them. No, none Devin of those three Lloyd, guys are on the list. Chris Olave, and who? Jermaine Johnson. Well, by the way, I mean, aren't you starting to think that a lot of people didn't have Jermaine Johnson and, and, and maybe even Devin Lloyd? I mean, they went in the back of the first round. That's 26-27. Yeah. Olave's probably a little different story there because I think you're going to have a hard time getting people that didn't think Olave was a first-round guy. He went 11th. Yeah. So what I, are they doing? Yeah, so that... That's and they a, needed... They Maybe not need, but they could use a receiver now. That's an interesting, like, how wide-ranging are the boards? Like, if Olave is considered a second-rounder by the Cowboys, and he goes number 11 overall, and a lot of other people have him as, like, a top 15 guy, you'd love to see it, who's right, who's wrong. Yeah. You'd love to see all the teams that have these kind of grades, like first-round grades. And by the way, there was a lot of smoke that teams had about 15 players on the first-round grade list. True. You know? That is true. There was a lot of smoke, and I don't know how many players this was, but it looks about 15. So, I mean, who knows? 13, I, yeah. The problem is you just don't know. Are the Cowboys right here, or are they wrong here? Yeah, it's weird, because then you they also, appear, then if that's right, they also didn't have Burks and Dotson as first-round picks as receivers or first-round grades. Yeah, and Dotson is a guy that floated in the second round in many, like, pre-draft stuff. Yeah. 
but Burks is not. Like, I thought Burks was definitely going to go with first round. Like, I can't imagine that they're wrong on all three. Like, Yeah, that's a good point. You know, like maybe, maybe they just shoved, maybe they just didn't care about receiver. They're like, we're not going receiver in the first round, so we're not going to grade it. Yeah. We're not even going to have it on our list. We already did the CD Lamb thing. We've already got, you know, blah, blah, blah. We already extended whoever they extended, you know. Mm. Um, so maybe that's why they did it. It's weird. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, a fake board. It's a plant. <laughs> I don't think it is. I agree with you. I don't think it's a fake board. I want to see more boards. I know. I'm saying I we should see more teams' boards. It'd be awesome. It's hard knocks on the draft. Oh, that's an idea. I'd watch that over the training camp one. Oh, these guys, they think they got the secret sauce to everything. They would never relinquish that information. That'd be a cool subplot if the NFL made them just once. Like, awesome. Hey, what's your first round board? That would be great. We'll be awesome. back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690.